so pray for me, all right? Uh, we're in a series this morning entitled Testify, and uh, this morning I want to talk to you about that just a little bit. If you have your Bibles, uh, you could turn to the book of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. And we're going to be talking about how and uh, why to bring others to Jesus. Bring others to Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? God, I'm thankful today, Father, for your word, God. God, I pray today, God, that it would be sharp, God, as any two-edged sword and pierce our soul, God, Lord, pierce our minds, pierce our spirits today, God. God, to the, to the depth of our being today, Father. I pray today, God, that you will help us see the value, God, see the purpose, God, see the vision today, God, of your kingdom, God, and your power and your love for all people, God. Let us see that today, God, as only you can, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we're going to thank you for all that you're going to do. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. In the book of John, especially chapter 1, uh, we read about a young man named John the Baptist, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, uh, definitely a, a, a different type of character. He dressed different. The scripture says he dressed different. He ate different, okay? He lived his life differently, okay? And uh, in this space that we talk about John the Baptist, we hear of a young man named Andrew. Now I want to point out Andrew this morning. We're going to talk about him and uh, among other, uh, among some other leaders and disciples. But Andrew was one of Jesus' chosen disciples. Is literally only mentioned in the New Testament just a few times. But on each occasion, we see him introducing others to Jesus. Somebody say a good amen right there. Amen. This is important. This is valuable. And I, I want to show you this in uh, John chapter 1, verse 39. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Okay, I'll read that to you. But uh, first he had the extreme joy of introducing his brother, Peter, to Jesus. Okay, this was one of Andrew's tasks. It was one of his missions and purpose. And then later in John chapter 6, he introduced the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes to Jesus. Another time, Andrew and several other disciples in Mark chapter 13 were concerned about all people when Jesus was speaking about the rapture of the church and the last days. And I literally believe that they wanted to know the day and the hour that Christ might return so they could make sure to warn the world of God's upcoming judgment and preach salvation to them. We're living in those last days and we hear people talk about that all of the time. Jesus is coming back and since I was a child I remember people talking about that. The rapture of the church and the tribulation and the great tribulation and the judgment of God. We just continue to get closer each and every day and we understand that. But Andrew had a passion for the task of Almighty God. He had a passion. He had a task, a, a passion for his task that God was calling him to. And then finally we see in John chapter 12, and you can read about it a little bit more later, the Bible says that he introduced the Greeks to Jesus. And there's no more important work in the world than bringing and introducing other people to Jesus. I know that all of us, we have our jobs, we have our careers, we think our jobs are really important, we're so grateful for those things, but as Christians and as Christ followers, one of the most important tasks that we could ever be involved in is in introducing others to Jesus and introducing others into the kingdom of God. And literally, Scripture says that Andrew had been called to this task by Christ himself. Amen. 
And Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. He's not just the Savior of some. He's not just the Savior of a few. Come on, somebody. He's not exclusively to a certain race or a certain color or a certain creed or religious background. But Jesus is known to be the Savior of the world. Somebody say a good amen right there. I'm grateful for that because in and through that, we know and understand and see that all people could come to God. It doesn't matter their background or their ethnicity. It doesn't matter their, the, the, the side of the tracks they may have grown up in. It, it doesn't matter where, you know, hey, I went to college or I didn't have that opportunity or whatever that it is. And we, just like Andrew, are just ordinary people. But like Andrew, the Holy Spirit can use us powerfully in bringing others to know Jesus. So go with me to John chapter 1. Verse 35, the Bible says the following day John was again standing with two of his disciples. As you know, John was out in the waters of baptism. He was baptizing people and just that was just his passion to, to get people saved, to get them to repent, and to get them to be baptized. Okay, I love that. It's very introductory to the kingdom of God. It's very introductory. Okay, we need that. And behind that we need growth. Amen. But it says this, that John was standing with two of his disciples and as Jesus walked by, John had looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Amen. They weren't there just for John's you know, purpose and vision. They were there for Jesus' purpose and vision. Somebody say a good amen right there. Amen. Jesus looked around, verse 38, it says, Jesus looked around and he saw them, what? Following. Amen. Does Jesus see you following him? I mean, we should ask those questions. Am I, am I following him? Being a disciple or being introduced as a Christian, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, it means I want to be a disciple. Amen, I want to be a disciple. You guys all have seen football fans or basketball fans, and, and I, I think to myself probably football fans are the most uh, in-depth fans I've ever seen. I've ever seen. They'll stay out in the ice-cold weather. It's snowing. It's raining. Okay, and I mean it's it's a blizzard out there, especially like Green Bay Packers. You usually it seems I don't know. It just seems like you always see them in Green Bay or in New York, right? It's like freezing cold, and the fans are out there. They're just really focused and encouraged. Okay, being that kind of fan for the kingdom of God. Am I making sense? All right. Whether it's cold outside or hot outside, I'm there. I'm in my I'm in my fan gear, okay? I'm cheering for my team, okay? This is the kind of person that Andrew and John and these disciples were. Now skip on down to verse 40. Skip down to verse 40. It's really close. It says Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then follow Jesus. Amen. This is good instruction for each and every one of us to hear what it is that a man of God or, or, or somebody who's sharing the word of God, sharing the purposes of God with us. That man of God does not want you to follow him. That man of God wants you to follow Jesus. Somebody say a good amen right there. Amen. If that man of God wants you to follow him, you're in a cult. Amen. Amen. You're not in the kingdom of God. You're not in the purposes of God. You're in a cult, all right? So it, he says this. He says, he heard what John said, and then he followed Jesus. Andrew went 
to find his brother Simon. And he told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ, the anointed one. We'll talk about that. Then Andrew, look at this, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Immediately, he has an encounter with Christ. Immediately, he has a, a life-changing, uh, even name-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, point number one this morning, the task. For all you note-takers, the task. What is the task of a Christ follower? Well, verse 41 tells us, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah. All right, what's the task? I found Jesus. I found right relationship with God. I found an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's changed my life. And the first thing, I want you to notice this, the very first thing Andrew does, okay, he doesn't try to get in on Jesus' team. Amen. He doesn't say, hey, what, what can I do? How, how do I get involved? How can, can, I want to be on the leadership team. He doesn't do that. He immediately goes and gets others and brings them to Jesus. Okay, there's no doubt that he won many others to, to Jesus Christ after he himself became a Christian. But first he thought of and successfully won his own brother. So Andrew finds Christ, amen. He immediately becomes concerned that someone else should know him. You see this. I, I know someone who needs Jesus. I need to get them to him. So he's very concerned that someone else should find him and know him. That is exactly how it should be, even with us. I don't care how old that you are or how young that you are, because when we say yes to Jesus, the impulse and the commission to win someone else is awakened within us, and it should never go away. Can you hear me? Somebody say amen right here. It, it should never go away. You should have a passion that, 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 that hey, I, I should be constantly telling others about my faith and telling others about my testimony, sharing that. And we should cultivate this impulse and see to it that bringing others to Jesus is always regarded by us individually and collectively as a matter of priority. It shouldn't just be one or two people within the church. It should be all people within the church. And then it should be the whole church collectively. If a church gets to a place and gets to a space that they're not concerned about those outside the doors of the church, there's a problem. Somebody preach with me this morning. There's a problem. If there's a church, I, I, I just had a, a friend of mine talking to me about this. He said, he said, Pastor Mike, I'm going to this church. I can't remember the last time we baptized anybody. I said, that's a problem. That's a problem. What do we need to do? You need to be baptizing, folks. How do we do that? you got to open up the baptism tanks. you got to invite people, hey, get baptized. Declare to the world your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Amen. We should cultivate this impulse. Now look at verse 41. Notice the word. Find. Do you see it? Find. We don't know how far Andrew needed to search, but he went to find him. Amen. We should be on the search. Amen. We should be on the rescue. We, we, we don't know, uh, uh, you know, we, we need to know those whom God would have us find. They are lost, amen, 
And for this reason, they need to be sought out. Sometimes that's in the confines of relationship. Sometimes you invite a friend out. You say, hey, let's go get a coffee together. You just spend time with them. They might even ask you about your faith. And then you encourage them. Well, here's the church that I go to. And here's the Bible app that I'm reading. And here's a plan that I'm re- I want to encourage you in your faith. And it might start out in a relationship. It might start out in your home. It might start out over a game of pool. Come on, somebody. It, it might start out over a game of uh, Call of Duty or whatever. I don't know. You know, And, and you're just kind of spending time with those individuals. But you realize that, hey, I, I want to tell this people. I want to tell this people, I want to tell these friends of mine about, uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I hope that you understand all around, there's, all around the world there's people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you aware? Are you aware of that? Amen. Are we praying about that? Right? Are we asking God? God, give me opportunity. Put people in my path. Give me the opportunity to share the Lord Jesus Christ. Because once this fact really grips us, then we should feel that the most important thing in the world is to introduce them to the one who alone can save them. Amen. That's what Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 declares over the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to heaven. Listen to me. There's, there's salvation. The scripture says there is salvation in no one else. Else, God has given no other name under heaven by which me by which we must be saved. It's not it's not faith in a denomination. It's not faith in friendships. It's not faith in individuals or families. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Somebody give me, give me a good shout of praise right there. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Salvation from death. Salvation from sin. Salvation from hell is found in Christ alone. So, do you have loved ones that don't know Jesus? I- anybody? You, you, can raise a, you can raise a hand. I, I think all of us would probably say that. I got, I got people that I love that don't know Jesus. I got friends of mine, okay, that don't know Jesus. I got coworkers of mine that don't know Jesus. I got people that I don't like. And they don't know Jesus. Amen. I got some enemies, all right? I got a few enemies out there. You may be one of them. I don't know, you know. You, know, you might be one of them sitting this morning. But you have loved ones, you know, who, who don't know Jesus. And think about this. Am I doing anything to bring them to him? This isn't about me. This is about him. It's about relationship with him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Scripture says as God's partners, or as we work together, who's who's working together? I'm working with God. Amen? I've been hired. I made the team. Huh? You might be wondering how in the world. Anybody can make the team. Praise God. If Pastor Mike can make the team, anybody can make the team, all right? But it says as we are God's partners, or as we work together, Amen. So I'm working with God, okay, one of, the, one of the ways. Secondly, within my church or within other Christians, I'm working with the kingdom of God. And they should coordinate and correlate. Amen. It, it doesn't matter if there's a Baptist church down the road, I could work with them. It doesn't matter if there's a Pentecostal church down the road. I can, it doesn't matter if there's an Episcopalian church down the road. I can work with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. It doesn't matter if there's a united Pentecostal. I can work with them. Do they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do they believe that his blood in and through him is the only way to a place called heaven? Then yes, I can work with them. Come on, somebody. Amen. And it says this. 
as God's partners or as we work together, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then what? Ignore it. This is a good gift. Amen. This is a supernatural gift. It's an overwhelming gift that I don't deserve. Amen. But I've received it. I've received the gift. And then it says, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. So you might say to yourself, man, I wonder I wonder if I could ever lead one of my friends or my coworkers to Christ. The scripture says today is that day. Amen? I've prayed with people a, a lot of times in the altars, and, and they'll come up, and I'm praying with them, and I say, hey, you know, I might be talking to them. I might know their name, or they, you know, and I say, hey, Jay, today is your day. God's going to do something powerful for you. Today is the day. Now is the time. Amen? And God wants us to engage, and I believe as the local church, as the global church, I don't think that we've ever embraced a better time. I don't think that there's ever been a greater moment that people can experience hope and people can experience life in Jesus Christ. Amen. We see this in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Amen. So we embrace salvation today, even right now. It's super easy to allow our spiritual lives to run on empty. Come on, somebody. I've had people tell me, they say, Pastor Mike, I just feel like my spiritual life is running on empty. And I ask him these questions. When was the last time you read, you read the Bible? I'm like, well, it's been a minute since I opened up the old Bible app. Huh? Pastor Mike, it's been a minute since I've been in corporate worship. Amen, which encourages your faith. It's been a minute since I served anybody else. And you begin to talk to them, and you'll find out why they're running on empty. Amen. Listen, if we allow our spiritual lives to run on empty and to stay on empty, if we do that, there's very little excitement. There's very little passion. There's very little fervency to share all that God has done or is doing within our lives and in our spirits. Amen. Now, I'm not just talking about I've got a relationship with Christ just so I can share the workload as a Christian, okay? God doesn't want you to have that kind of relationship. You hear me? He wants you to have the kind of relationship that you have a powerful relationship with him, not based upon works. He's done all the work. Somebody say a good amen. He's done all the work. Amen. I'm just embracing that, and I'm embracing that good news. So yet, as we stay full of the Holy Spirit, how do we stay full of the Holy Spirit? We continue reading God's Word. Even when you feel like, man, I don't even know, did I get anything from the Word today? I promise you, the Word is planting supernatural seeds in your heart, supernatural seeds in your life, supernatural things that, bam, all of a sudden, somebody's going to walk up to you and say something. You're going to pull something seemingly out of thin air, but where it actually came from was from your spirit because you've been feeding it, not starving it. Amen? All right? I need to stop eating this week. I ate way too much over Thanksgiving, so I'm not going to eat anything this week, right? That's actually a lie, but it should be that way, all right? But we kind of get into that space. Well, I, I went to church. You know, I had two services this weekend. I'm full. I don't need any more. When, as a matter of fact, Scripture says we need daily bread. Daily bread. Fresh bread. Come on, somebody. Amen? Fresh bread. So as we stay full of the Holy Spirit, we stay guided, we stay compelled, we stay encouraged to share our lives with 
others. I know for myself, when I get cold in my spirit, I start to get cold in my spirit, I begin to realize some things. I don't want to hang out with those people. I don't want anybody coming to my house this week. I just want to veg out, man. Do nothing, come on, instead of serve others. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you're full of the Spirit, you say to yourself, i gotta, I got to do this. i got to have these. i got to in, invite these, other, uh, these others in too. Why? Because bringing others close to us in friendship so we might be able to influence them spiritually. Am I making sense? We bring others to faith and understanding. We bring others to healing. We bring others into restoration. We bring others into freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're bringing others to Jesus. That's the vision. That's the goal. That's the purpose. Not so they can wear a Hope City Church hoodie. Come on, somebody. But so that they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. And in our task, we got to have patience we got to have endurance with people. Amen? we got to have wisdom. we got to have long-suffering. You know what long-suffering means? To suffer long. That's exactly what it means. i got to suffer long with this guy. Right? i got to suffer long. This, this lady, I wish she would just get it. Come on, somebody. Can you hear what I'm saying? I, I've shared this before. I've talked about it a lot. But when I was an exhorter minister, I was trying to figure that out. And I was like, what's it mean to be an exhorter minister for, for, for this movement? What does it mean to be an exhorter minister for the Pentecostal Church of God? I began to study exhorter. And I was like, because I'm so excited. I'm going to be an exhorter minister. Look at me. Look at me go. Look at me serving God's kingdom. Look at me doing great things. What's it mean to be an exhorter minister? I start studying. It says when the individuals and the people that you're trying to reach and minister and love and love on, they don't get it. After 399 times of you teaching them and telling them, you present it another another time called 400, and then you present it 401 and 402. And I said, I don't want to be an exhorter minister. Come on, somebody. As a matter of fact, I've changed my mind. Can I skip to the next level? Right. But in that space, I learned how to be relational. And I learned that relationships work and relationships the value. Point number two, the testimony. What did Andrew say to Peter when he found him? Verse 41, it's, a, it, it's in scripture. What did he say to him? He says, we have found the Christ. We have found the Messiah. The Jews, the Jewish people were looking for their Savior. How many of you guys know the Jewish people are still looking for their Savior today? They're still looking for him. That's exactly why they're trying to destroy the Jewish people. I don't want to get all prophetic and all biblical on you, okay, but here's the whole reason. uh, The devil has been trying to destroy the Jewish people since the beginning of time, so Jesus wouldn't come. The Israelites, you remember, kill all the firstborn children. is Is this ringing any bells, right? And now even today, hey, just kill all the Jewish people. Kill all of those Israelite people. Okay, and then Jesus could never return back for that group, that, that group of people. Come on, somebody. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? So that's exactly what the devil's trying to do. So Andrew said to Peter, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. We have found the anointed one. We found the one ordained of God. We have found the one that God has chosen. We believe God has chosen this man to come to the earth and rescue us. They thought he was going to start a war. And he did, but he started that war in the spirit, and he won it. Come on, somebody, amen. He started that, he started that war in the spirit, and he won it. So all Andrew did was give his testimony. 
So notice the four things that he did. Number one, it was a spoken testimony. It's imperative that our lives are consistent and that we live a Christ life like. Amen. But living that life does not exempt us from the responsibility of speaking our testimony. Am I making sense? Well, Pastor Mike, I don't want to tell anybody. I'm just going to show them. Listen, I understand what you're saying, but part of you showing them is telling them, having the conversation. Every now and again, you got to have a conversation and say, hey, you're wrong. You know, every now and again, you got to have a conversation. Hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. you got to have a conversation. Amen? I just apologized to my daughter the other day. I was being all goofy. She was asking me some questions, and I snapped. Now, I'm just impatient. Come on, somebody. I'm just talking to you about how we get in the flesh. So I go to the store, mad at me, not mad at her, mad at my impatience, mad at my frustration. I get home, okay, brought her a root beer. Come on, that always helps. Bring her snacks, bring her treats, bring her love. Say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Amen. you got to apologize every now and again. It's good for you. Praise God. And, and so uh, the, word, the word of God and sharing our testimony, it does not exempt us from the responsibility of speaking our testimony as and when he gives us the opportunity. Why? We learned about it last week because our testimony is a weapon. Amen. Our testimony is a weapon of encouragement. Our testimony is a weapon of strength. Our testimony is a weapon of healing. Our testimony is a weapon of overcoming. Our testimony is a weapon of resurrection. Somebody say a good amen right there. Luke chapter 8, verse 39. He tells the man who just met Jesus, he says, now go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. Now, if you go ahead and read this verse, right, it looks like he never even went back to his family. Do you see it? It's like, so go back and tell your family, I went out to the towns. Amen? I think what it is is we're understanding of the fact that he made the difference in the life of his family so much so that he now has to make a difference in his community. He's got to make a difference in his cubicle. He's got to make a difference in his office. He's got to make a difference at the coffee shop. He's got to make a difference at the golf range. Come on, somebody. Can you hear what I'm saying? Amen. It says, so he goes through all the town proclaiming the great things Jesus has done for him. So most of us are ready and willing to speak on almost every subject. But as uh, but are we ready and willing to speak of and for Jesus? Man, you bring up football. Bro, we're going to talk about, bro did, you, bro, did you see the game? This guy's rushing yards and this guy. Man, did you see the pick six? And did you see, man, my team's doing this. We got all kinds of things to say, right? But what about Jesus if people get quiet? Hello? Hey, would you like to pray? You go ahead. You go ahead, Pastor. You go ahead, Pastor Mike, right? So we're willing and, and ready to speak on any subject. Are we ready for Jesus? Listen, if you are in a relationship with God, you have good things to tell. you got good things to tell about God. The second thing, okay, it was a simple testimony. A child could have understood what Andrew was saying. Our testimony is our evidence. We learned this last week. Have you found Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you proved him to be your faithful, committed friend? Has he answered your prayers? So can we not tell others about these things? Can we not tell people that? 
Hey, listen, here, here's what happened to me. Here's what happened to me. I'm not saying that every, every conversation is that. I'm not stating that. I'm not stating that. But God will give you opportunity to open those doors up, and you need to be bold enough to walk through them. Somebody say a good amen. The third thing that we see here from Andrew, it was a sure testimony. It was a sure testimony. Virtually every moment, there's a lack of certainty and truth in our world. Can I, can I get an amen right here? You watch it on one news channel, and you may never see it again, but you saw it once, and now all of a sudden, they can't produce the same footage. It, it, am I making sense? Or, it, did that really happen? Did somebody make it? Is, it? is it really going on? All right, look at this. It was a sure testimony. God is forever faithful. He's given sure and certain declarations in his word, which we may rest upon and find absolutes in. We can find absolute assurances in. Somebody say a good amen right there. And Bible scholars have literally found as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament that somehow pointed to or described the reference of the coming Messiah. So Andrew knew what was going on. Jesus, there's a Messiah who's coming. I believe it's him. I believe it with all my heart. And conservatively, think about this. Conservatively, Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies. Pastor Mike, what's a prophecy? A foretelling of the future. A foretelling of the future in his earthly ministry. So it wasn't based on some kind of facade. It wasn't based on some kind of uh, on some kind of fairy tale. Come on, somebody. It's based on the truths of the Word of God. And finally, the last thing, it was a sanctified testimony that Andrew was sharing. Andrew used what was in Peter's mind as a point of contact. Like every other Peter, uh, excuse me, like every other Jew, Peter was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for the promised deliverer. As every other Christian, we're looking for the Messiah to come back. We're looking for Jesus to come back. Amen? But you know why Jesus doesn't come back? Do you, do you want to know why? Because he wants the world to be saved. All people. Everywhere. Everybody. He wants all people to be saved. He wants them to be committed to him. And so they're looking for the promised deliverer. And great wisdom, listen, great wisdom is needed in bringing others to Jesus. And scripture promises to give it. James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, you see this? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. I love that because I'm a questions man. I learn by asking questions. Why did you why do you put coffee on the ham? Tell me, why would you do this? Who puts coffee on the ham, right? We got to talk to we everybody's going to seek Corey out after service. Okay. Why does your mom why what what's wrong with your family, okay? Tell us the secrets of coffee on the ham, okay? There's 8 pounds left. You should have brought it and we could have shared it and we'd know the secrets. <laughs> Ask God. Listen, we ask God for wisdom. We ask God, and God's not going to rebuke you. He's not going to say, hey, dummy. All right? He's not like people. He's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to give you the confidence. He's going to give you the strength. Scripture says this. Ask God. It, it teaches us. Ask God for the salvation of your family. Ask God for the salvation of your friends. Ask God for the salvation of your coworker. 
Ask God for the salvation of your community. Ask him, for the save, ask him for the saving of the world. Are you doing that? If not, will you start today? Because today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. God wants all people. He wants none to perish, to be lost or, de- or, or destroyed. Amen? He wants all to have relationship with him. Amen. A Christian's testimony ought to accomplish what John's testimony did. Pointing people to Jesus so that they want to follow him. It's exactly what John did. Hey, come to Jesus. How do we get to Jesus? He said, repent and be baptized. Turn away from your sin and be baptized. Amen. And you can have a right relationship with God. And when you understand and when you encounter and experience who Jesus is, you'll desperately want others to know him. There's just something about it. It's just like, I've got to get them to him. Number three, point number three, the triumph. So we got the task, we got the testimony, the triumph. What's the triumph? The triumph is indicated in verse 42. And he brought him to meet Jesus. Amen? I love that people show up to Hope City Church. I love that. I'm so glad that they come. I don't care if they come for the donuts. I don't care if they come, you know, to see a dance team, a worship team. I don't care what the reason is that they come, but what we want them to encounter is Jesus. I'm so glad that they come and they say, I want new merch, and I, I need a hoodie, and I need a sweatshirt, and I need a hat, and I need a cup. Look at my cool cup I got because I'm special. Come on, somebody. I know what you're thinking. You are special, Michael. You are. I'm already drinking out of it. It tastes a little like Pitbull. No, I'm just kidding. She told me, she told me it was gonna, it was gonna, you know, it was around the dogs. I'm just kidding. It, it doesn't. It tastes like great water. Amen. But the triumph here indicated verse, verse 42. He brought him to meet Jesus. Have you ever had that unforgettable experience, that unforgettable encounter? I remember I brought a friend of mine who was Baptist. Uh, he had some Baptist background, okay? I don't know that he was ever a Christ follower, but he had some Baptist background. So as he was coming to a full gospel church, I was praying, God, please don't let anything weird happen at church tonight. Please, God, just for me. And guess what happened? Everything that could have happened happened that night. Folks are shouting. People are excited. Somebody got slain in the spirit. Come on, somebody. Somebody's praying for somebody over here. They get loud and boisterous. I'm like, not tonight. Why tonight? Any night, but it was in that movement of God that he gave his life to Christ and later was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in his bedroom. Amen. It's those encounters. It's those encounters of bringing others to Jesus. It's important to notice that he brought, he, he brought Peter to Jesus. He didn't just invite him to church. He said, go with me. Come, let's go meet Jesus together. Let's worship him together. Amen. Let's encourage each other in our relationship with God. He didn't tell him to go to the Christ. He led him to Christ and made the introduction. And it's a fact that the majority of those who come to Christ are brought to him by someone. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. They didn't have social media fame. They didn't have YouTube fame. They didn't have Instagram fame, okay? So those who knew who he was 
had already seen him before and said, that's him. That's, that's him. That's, I'm telling you that's Jesus. He's here on our island. And bam, the news spread contagiously throughout the land. And watch this. They recognized who he was. The, the news spread quickly throughout, throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to Jesus to be healed. Are you paying attention to this? They begged him, let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe because they had heard rumors about the woman with the issue of blood, the first ever to touch the fringe of his garment and was healed instantly. Now everybody's doing it. Do you see this? And it says this, and all who touched him were what? Were healed. Were healed. And so I want to tell you this. All who connect to Jesus are healed. Come on, somebody. When you come in spirit and in truth, you come in sincerity and in truth, he's going to touch you. He's going to heal you. If you're in need of a rescue, Jesus is still in the rescuing business. If you are sincere in your seeking, Jesus is sincere in his healing. I don't know one person who's ever come to me and said, Pastor Mike, I, I, I started a relationship with God. It was the worst thing I've ever done. I've never heard, have you ever heard, I've never heard somebody testify that. They've never said, like, I became a Christian, worst decision I've ever made in my life. Hello? It doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Now, you might hear about a, a bad car dealership, right? You might have heard somebody say that about, about a bad pair of boots they bought, about a, a, a friend that they met, worst, worst person I ever dated in my life. Come on. But you've never heard somebody say that about God or say that about God's kingdom. That was the worst decision in my life. Why? For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's still healing. He's still guiding. He's still delivering. And so Andrew formed this connection. He made this introduction between the Savior and his lost brother. Was it worth the, was it worth the effort? Absolutely. Was it worth giving his testimony? 100%. Try to imagine, as the worship team comes, try to imagine how Andrew must have felt at Caesarea Philippi in Matthew chapter 16 when his brother Peter declares, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Try to imagine that. As Andrew declares this about, uh, Peter declares this, and Andrew's thinking in his mind, yep, I brought him to Jesus. He might have had a good fresh revelation, but I was the one who got him there. I was the one who sowed the seed. Think about how proud he was. You, you ever wonder why people cry random tears in church? That's why. I just planted a seed. And then somebody said, thank you for investing in my family. Thank you for coming to my rescue. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for bringing me dinner. Thank you for coming and praying for me. Imagine Andrew had to be gleaming when Peter is saying, you're the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God and nothing compares to you. Now I bet Andrew's sitting over there, all the rest of the disciples looking all kind of weird and Andrew from, from grinning from ear to ear. Just all awkward. Like, what's wrong with him? I'll tell you what's wrong. He encouraged Peter to come to Jesus. He's having a moment. 
that you can't connect to. He's having a moment that you can't encounter unless you're there. Try to imagine Andrew's excitement at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 when Peter preaches and 3,000 men, just men, 3,000 men get saved. And Peter, I bet Andrew's back there just shouting. Amen? And they're like, who is this guy? Oh, that's Peter's brother. Why is he so excited? Because people are getting saved. Because Peter learned the lesson. I bring Peter, if I'm Andrew, I bring Peter to Jesus. Here's Peter bringing others to Jesus. He gets it. That's the life. Listen, that's the life of a disciple. It's the life of a Christ follower. Amen. We could argue that Andrew's importance, maybe it doesn't rank with Peter's. Maybe his importance doesn't rank with Paul. Maybe his, maybe his importance doesn't rank with uh, other disciples like, uh, you know, like John the Baptist. But even Peter, think about this, even Peter preached many sermons. There would never have been a convicting or a challenge or an, or an inspiring word from him had it not been for the faithful, committed task of Andrew who said, hey, just got to get him to Jesus. If I get him to Jesus, Jesus is going to handle the rest. Because Peter's a mess. And Andrew knew this. Peter's a mess, man. He needs, he needs Jesus. You, you know the story about Peter. His attitude wasn't always right. His mouth wasn't always right. But when he got it right, oh, man, when he got it right, Andrew was challenging him, encouraging him along. And Andrew had to be absolutely and utter elated to witness his brother preaching and declaring salvation unto all the world. When Peter's preaching and declaring it through the word, Acts chapter 2 verse 32, it says, God raised Jesus from the dead and we're all witnesses of this. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. And Jesus himself had promised to send the Holy Spirit whose role was to witness and empower believers for service. The Holy Spirit's role. Pastor Mike, I want God to do more in my life. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to work in you, to work on you, to make you bold and to make you clear. Amen. And listen to me. If you're unwilling to bear witness to Jesus, you can forget about experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can forget that. You're scared, you're nervous, you're like, nope, I'm, ne- I'm not going to share you. Then you'll never experience the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelming your, uh, overwhelming you, mind, body, soul, and spirit. He just, bam, he just does something and it doesn't work on the inside of you as you encourage others along. Because the Spirit's task on the earth is to make much of Jesus. Amen? It's not to fill you with the Holy Spirit. It's not so you could feel goosebumps in a church service or, 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 or get filled and speak in other tongues or perform a miracle. Those are all spirit workings, and we understand those things. We're, we're coherent to those things. But the, 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 the thing that this Holy Spirit does is he makes much of Jesus. Amen? And I believe this. If you see a church making much about Jesus, they're going to make a difference in their community. There's going to be waves and ripple and ripple waves. Come on, somebody. There's going to be tsunamis in their city and in their community because they're making much of Jesus. That's the Spirit's work. It's the Spirit's power. There's Peters all around us who are just waiting to be found and one to Jesus Christ. Will you be a John? Will you be an Andrew? Huh? 
waiting to be activated, waiting to be used of the Holy Spirit. Will you introduce them to Jesus? Will you make a commitment to bring them to Him? Will you stand with me all over the building this morning? God, our hearts this morning stricken with conviction, stricken, God, with the power of the Holy Spirit today to make much of Jesus. God, it's not about anything else, God, that we could ever make it about. It's about Jesus. It's about Him coming as a virgin, born of a virgin, sent to the earth to rescue the world, sent to the earth that people might believe upon Him, that His shed blood upon the cross and His resurrection from the dead might be a part of their belief system, God. That's what it's about, Father. We ask you today, God, Lord, to make it about Jesus. Make it about the Holy Spirit, God. Make it about what you've called us to make it about. That's your son. We ask you today, God, to touch us today, God. I ask you to touch every person in the building, God. Lord, let us be more like John. Let us be more like Andrew today, Father God. Let us have that passion, God, that, 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 that strength for the task, God, that strength for the testimony, God. That strength for the mission today, Father God, each and every heart and each and every life. You say, Pastor, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed for just a moment. You say, Pastor, I feel the Holy Spirit right now tugging on my heart, tugging on my spirit to make much of Jesus, to do more for God's kingdom, to serve his kingdom more by speaking it out, by by testifying of who he is and what he's done. Is that you? Would you just slip your hand up? That's me, Pastor. That's me. I feel it. God bless you, young man. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, young lady. Pastor, that's me. I feel that so hard. I feel that in my spirit. I want to make much of Jesus. So will you be an Andrew? Will you be a John? Will you seek to seek out others? Will you seek to find? The scripture talks about hidden treasures. That's what it was talking about. That's what Andrew understood. It was talking about if he could find Peter, get Peter to Jesus, there was a treasure on the inside of Peter's heart that was going to be shared with the world. I just challenge you to slip up both hands this morning. We're going to sing a worship song together. And I challenge you right now to draw in just a little bit deeper, to go in just a little bit deeper and say, God, I want you to use me in my job. I want you to use me in my family. God, I want you to use me, God to bring others to Jesus. Can we do that for just a few moments? I'm caught up in your prayer.